Good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode three of the Ascension Podcast. My name is Fred Cannon. I'm the director of Team Felton Basketball, also the owner and operator of Ascension Sports Consulting, where we provide assistance to transfers. We provide assistance to high school grassroots, high school kids uh, in that process, the recruiting process, to try to help them get more exposure and reach out to college coaches on their behalf. I use this podcast just to talk about different situations around basketball that your son or daughter may face throughout their high school, middle school days, as well as, you know, collegially transferring and what's the, you know, what you should do after you get to a school and it's not the right fit, the transfer process, the whole nine yards. So this is just more of an informative podcast in general. And today on episode three, we're going to touch base on several different topics, including reclassifying my thoughts on the previous live period, and then just my thoughts on the overall structure of this year's recruiting calendar and how that worked out for us as a program at Team Felton, and my suggestions on how it could be better. But first off, I would like to start off with this previous live period that we participated in, the Under Armour Finals down in Emerson, Georgia, or Cartersville, Georgia, Georgia at Lake Point Sports Complex. I thought the last live period was great. We played a total of seven games, and I thought the players were able to sustain their level of play throughout seven days, the way the structure was set up. Uh, we played two games pretty much every day, except for the last day, which was Sunday. It's given us a chance to be seen for a total of seven you know, seven games, and I tracked our college coach attendance. The the fewest coaches we had at any game was 40. So for our kids, that was, you know, maximum exposure. And I felt like so far the offers picked up. We've had 15 offers since last week come through our program, and I, I expect that number to continue to grow as college coaches get to uh, reconvene with one another to talk about what they saw at you know all the events between Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour. And so, one of the things that I noticed during this last live period was there were a lot of courts where there were no coaches attending the games, and a lot of times people reflect that as the kids aren't good enough or the teams aren't good enough. And for a lot, what a lot of people don't understand is most of these coaches attend our games just based on relationships and the understanding that we we usually have a lot of prospects and a lot of prospects across the board some teams will try to stack their you know rosters with as many high major kids as possible so a lot of the low and mid majors don't really get those teams followings because they don't think they can have a shot at any of those kids during recruiting a lot of it's just calling out earlier than the live period for your kids and say, hey, I got this kid, you know, he's 6'3", he can do this, that, and the other. I think you should come check him out. A lot of times that's all it takes for the college coaches to at least come and watch one of your games. So once they watch one of your games, if you gave an accurate assessment of the players on your roster, chances are they're going to come back and watch you again, and they may tell another coach, hey, they got this other guy. And that's how it works. It's just a word-of-mouth thing. And once your you know program becomes recruitable, then usually they'll start reaching out to you prior to, and you know that's that's kind of what I deal with for, especially the week before the live period. 
I get a ton of phone calls. What's your schedule? What time? What plays? The whole nine yards, and the 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 end result is having 40 plus coaches at each and every one of the games. Every kid that's graduated our program has received a a scholarship offer since 2015, which was our first recruiting class, and we've always kept that same method uh, since then. And that's the whole general focus for me for the live period is to make sure the kids go to school. Now, my one complaint about the recruiting calendars stands from being on a shoe circuit team is sometimes that when you deal with shoe companies, you have certain players, you you got to play a little more than others, uh, market a little more than others, that type of deal. So you're trying to balance out completing your obligations to the shoe company as well as to the players on your roster. And with one live period in April, I felt like the kids didn't didn't get to show it, you know, everything they could do within four games if you were trying to win those four games. And I say that to say, like, you may have a matchup where they're playing zone, but one of the kids that you're trying to market is not a great shooter. And you still feel obligated to play that kid, even though he may or may not look very good and you may have decreased your chances of winning. You still want to play that particular player because you want him to be able to attain a scholarship and have the opportunity. So I felt like with only one live period in April, it, it made the rosters or depth charts get shortened. And I felt like that put more increased pressure on the kids that were playing to feel like they had to go and secure a scholarship. So I think if the NCAA added one live period to April, which they already are because the rooting calendar is different. Um, it won't fall on Easter this year, this upcoming season. So two recruiting periods in April, two recruiting periods in June for the high schools. I thought that was great. And I feel like there should be two recruiting weeks in July. And if they still want to have the NCAA camps, I feel like that should be done at the end of July, which would actually give you three recruiting periods. And the month of July, which I think would be cool. And I also think they should extend the uh, evaluation period from, I think it's September right now to October or November. I think it should go into August uh, where they can come out to the high schools and watch the guys work out and do all that good stuff. I think that would be a full recruiting calendar. I think you'll see a decrease in the number of transfers because the college coaches will have more time to evaluate the players that they're looking at. I also think it would give players enough time to go set up enough visits because right now we have, we're trying to cram visits in for our kids all within like August and September because most of the college college staffs really ramp up in October. And then, of course, the first signing period is in November. So I think it's a little rushed uh, to try to narrow down offers from you know the previous summer season and then go take a visit like 30 days later like that's that's a tough situation for a family to try to gauge all of that and especially since they increased the number of official visits that the prospects can now take uh you definitely want to take advantage of those official visits go see what the schools have to offer ask all the questions uh it'll be the last time that the schools are completely uh <laughs> in sales mode once you sign that national letter of intent they know they have you and you'll get a chance to see what the you know the real personality of their coach and their staff is. So 
just make sure that you go to practices and stuff before taking your official visit. That's generally when you'll see the true colors of, you know, the staff. I go all across the country because of my job, and that's kind of what I like to do is go get a pulse of what the staff is like in season, during practice. And I can very quickly say, hey, you know, my kids couldn't play for him, or yeah, they could play for them. So as parents, you should do the same thing. The next topic I wanted to talk about was based after this live period, some kids have not received any phone calls. They haven't gotten any texts. Uh, parents are antsy. Kids are antsy. And basically what you have to understand is July live period for the 2020 class is about recruiting. And when I say that, it's not about evaluation, but about recruiting. So those coaches that came out in July already had a list from April and June of guys that they had already marked off as, hey, we want these guys. July's for them to show up, show their face. Hey, we're recruiting you. We, here's our support. Once they finish those relationships, then you'll start seeing some new offers go out as well once they kind of get a feel for whether the kids on their target list are really involved with them or not. So then they'll, you know, put out another offer to another kid at that same position if they don't think it's going to lower their chances of getting somebody else on their list. For the schools that are generally evaluating, some schools didn't finish up their 2019 class until probably May, uh, especially with all the changeover on the coaching staffs across the country. They had to go in and reevaluate their rosters and you know all of that. So give it a little bit of time after this live period between now and after this NCAA camp this week. Once that's over, then you'll kind of know where you're standing because now they still have another, I think, six days of evaluations for the NCAA camps. Uh, so they will go check out prospects over that course of the time, and then they will probably have their final recruiting meetings, and then they will begin to set up official visits, uh, giving offers and all that good stuff within the next, if I had to guess, probably the next week and a half two weeks so just be patient uh, if you play good basketball over the week if you had coaches in attendance at your games and you play well somebody will be reaching out to you sooner or later whether it's to check out your high school workouts in September or they'll try to bring you on campus and get a good feel for you but just understand that you know I, there's obviously gonna be a lot of kids receiving offers earlier than others Typically, their recruitment was already bubbling and they're just taking off. It's not from this just being their first chance of being seen. So for us, we have a kid, Nicholas McMullen. He's a 6'8", 6'9", power forward. And coming into the season, I think he had one offer from North Carolina A&T, like January or February when he received that. And now he's up to 23 or 24 offers. I think he picked up like eight in the last week. Obviously, his recruitment is well ahead of the game. Uh, the kid Ricky Council, 2020 wing, you know, 6'5", didn't have, I think, no, he, he picked up two offers with us last year, and I think now he's up to like eight or nine. So, like, everybody's pace is different. Uh, but the good thing for us is that we have everybody on our 2020 roster has a scholarship offer that was originally with the team. We did have a, some roster additions that I have to work for, and uh, but I feel good about those additions and where their recruiting is at. But everybody's recruiting table is on 
different timetables. And that's with the part that a lot of parents don't understand and kids understand, so it causes a lot of anxiety. Please be patient over the next three to four weeks. See what type of contact comes out. In the case that you don't receive any contact from any Division I coaches, you're a rising senior, what I would recommend is going ahead and start developing relationships with D2 schools, D3, if that's your intent. If you're one of those D1 or nothing type players, then I would recommend go ahead and fill out college applications as if you were going just going to school as well. Uh, because with that mindset, you can limit yourself to no options to continue your basketball career. So make sure you go ahead and fill out applications as well just to be on the safe side. Regardless, they need to go to college and get that experience and mature a little bit or find some type of trade or work. You know, college isn't for everybody, but just understand because you play high-level travel basketball, it doesn't always equate to a college scholarship. So just make sure that you got all your paths covered. I will go ahead and apply for schools. I will start to work out with the D2s and D3 schools. You can actually go to the colleges and work out with the current teams. That's the advantage, and there's no, no restrictive recruiting periods for D2 or D3. You can do that at any time. Just contact the school or have your high school coach or AAU coach. Contact the different universities. Say, hey, I got this prospect. Is it okay for him to come work out? They'll give you a date and time to come work out with the team and give you an evaluation. I recommend doing all of it. That way you'll kind of know where you're at. If you pick up 10 or 12 offers at D2 and you don't pick up a D1, then, hey, you know, that's the opportunity on the table. Go make the most of it and still get your school paid for. So don't don't look at it as a bust. If you don't get a D1 scholarship, you, you didn't fail. You know, going through this travel ball process or high school process or both, you, you committed and bet on yourself. There's never a sense of failure in that. You, you went out and tried to achieve your goals as parents. You went out and put your money up, took time off to follow and support. That's not a failure. That's a lot of good time spent. That's a lot of memories created. And now it's just a different chapter in your life. Don't, don't look at athletics as a, as a success or failure mechanism. There's always a positive to be taken away from the experiences that you've gained from this whole process. Of course, the cherry on top is to get your college paid for. There's no doubt about it. But either way, there's no success or failure based on the, the fact of whether you receive a D1 scholarship or not. Because 99% of the basketball players in this country do not receive a Division I basketball scholarship. So just understand that actually achieving the cherry on top is, the, is a minority situation. So make sure that you express to your kids that you loved watching them play, that you enjoyed the experience. And kids, make sure you tell your parents thank you and for allowing you the opportunities to travel all across the country, sometimes travel across the world, meet different kids, get all this cool gear, all that good stuff. Like it's, it's a cool and fun process. Don't let the stress of recruiting take away from that fact. And some of the relationships you have from this basketball you know, situation, you, you will carry this throughout the rest of your life, especially for the kids. Um, they'll know future NBA prospects, agents, coaches, just from their participation in travel ball. Don't never downgrade that experience. Another answer to, I didn't get the offers I wanted. Coaches are saying they, they haven't seen me enough. They want to evaluate me more. Or you hit a late growth spurt, or you hit a late bloomer type recruitment where people are like, man, we like you, but we haven't seen you enough. And now you're trying to figure out whether you should hold out for your current class or reclassify. 
I don't have a direct answer for reclassification. It, it's a different case-by-case uh, -case situation. Reclassification can be a double-edged sword. If you have some guarantees from schools that they're saying, look, we love you and we would definitely take you in the, the, pre, in the next class, that's something to be considered if you're, they're not saying that about your current class. Or if, say I was a 6'3 point guard and I'm now 6'7 and I haven't really evolved my game around my new size, or if I was a bigger kid and I lost weight or whatever the case may be, there's some type of body change that, it, that could potentially change your RAM as a prospect, I would consider the reclassification as well. My thing is I typically advise my players if they want to reclassify to do it in eighth grade uh, and then do your four years straight at whatever high school you're going to. But there's a lot of different ways to attack this thing. If you look at a kid like Josh Hall that went to Moravian Prep, I, I'm pretty sure he had a couple of offers beforehand, but once he reclassified, he's, you know, he's no doubt a top 25 kid in his class in the country. And I don't know if he would have got that same attention if he had not reclassified. He still would have probably moved up in the rankings, but he wouldn't be where he's at now if he wouldn't have reclassified. So he's a case in point of one more summer of exposure, and now he can pretty much choose whatever school he wants to attend. So there's also kids who reclassify and end up going D2 or D3. For me, I think you can achieve Division two or Division three basketball without having to reclassify. I, I think that is you know, a case in point of hustling backwards. If you reclassify or post-grad and end up getting Division two or Division three, I really think you could probably get that process done right now. Uh, you know, you just have to kind of weigh it out. I don't, I don't like to give a definite answer because if you're a five, eight power forward, I don't care if you reclass or not, it's gonna be hard to get you recruited. So you have to kind of know what your size by position is, what your skill set is, what your productivity is. And parents, the way I tell everyone is this, if your dream school is Ohio State or North Carolina or one of these schools, what you should do is look at that roster for a kid that's built just like your son. So if your son is 6'3", 180, Look on that roster at the kids that are 6'3", 180, and look what they did as a high school player, and look what they're doing in college as far as their production. If that kid that ended up at Ohio State was Mr. Basketball in his state, averaged 20 points and 10 rebounds and eight assists, and your son is coming off the bench for your high school and averaging six points and five, you know, five rebounds, understand that he's probably not going to get recruited by that school because the benchmark has already been set by the previous player with your same height and same size. You cannot hope that a school is just going to give you a chance. It does not work that way. I hear so many parents saying, my son just needs a chance. Well, guess what? Those coaches of those colleges, if they make, take the wrong chance, they get fired. And for assistant coaches, they get paid out for that current year, but they don't get paid after that. So there are, they don't take any chances. The whole thing for them is looking at your overall body of work. If you are a bench player, role player on your high school team and a bench player, role player on your travel team, there's a good chance that you're not going to get that Division I scholarship. It's just you notice the chances are slim because they can't gauge your productivity. So just understand that you are competing with kids all over the country and all over the world for these scholarship opportunities and not to, you know, 
leave out. You got JUCO players that will be coming into your son's class that already have two years of college basketball experience that college coaches love to have on their roster. So it's not just competing with the players that's in front of you. And I can tell you that the head-to-head matchups don't matter. I hear a lot of parents say, well, my son scored 20 on this kid and he got a Duke offer. Well, the coach is not looking at the head-to-head matchup when they come necessarily, unless it's two kids they're actively recruiting. What they'll want to know is your body of work. They may look your son up out there and say, man, he scored 20, and then look up at your max preps or one of their stats in high school and see he averaged six points. So all that tells them he just had the game of his life, but it's not consistent in his production. So just make sure that you understand how you can engage your son or daughter into the recruiting process by looking up what these other schools have at their same position and what they did to get that scholarship off. It's, it's real easy to find that information. If you got questions about which kids got offers and which schools got, you know, how many scholarships they have available, Verbal Commits is a great website to go to, verbalcommits.com. You type in the prospect's name, it pulls up all of their offers. You can click on the schools, it'll show every kid they've recruited in that class or offered in that class. And you can kind of gauge if it makes sense for that to be on your list of possibilities as a you know school for your son or daughter or not. Because if they've already offered six wings in your same class and your son or daughter is in a wing, is a wing, it just doesn't make sense. So do your homework. There's a lot of tools out there in order to provide you with a lot of information. So just make sure you take advantage of it. So with the reclassifying, like I said, if it's going to help you and you honestly feel your kid is mature enough to handle knowing that his friends will be going off to college earlier than him and having experiences you know, that him or her would not be able to share with those guys or, or ladies and they're okay with it, then it, it may be a good situation for you. If your son or daughter is ready to get out of school and graduate with their friends, I would take the best available situation to them or go post-grad. There's a lot of great post-grad situations. Uh, we deal with Hargrave Military Academy a lot. The success rate there is, is hard to compare with. So we, we generally, if we have a kid that we feel like needs that additional year of just preparation, go post-grad and you still maintain four years of D1 college eligibility while working and playing in, in, in a tough environment that's well respected you know, by coaches. So there's a lot of ways to skin that cat. Just make sure that you choose the right one for you and your family. And for me, that's, that's kind of the biggest thing for me in creating Ascension Sports Consultant is just help guiding parents through these type of situations, these steps, because there's a lot going on that's hectic and everybody has a different level of uh, expectations. My job is to make sure that you understand the realistic aspects of what's a real accurate expectation for your son or daughter's recruitment. Uh, If your expectation is Duke or Carolina and after evaluations, they're considered to be CAA or Southern Conference or MEAC good, as a parent, you got to understand that that's what they're saying is not, oh, they wrong. It's that's the evaluation of your son or daughter. The best thing they can do is go and prove everybody wrong by going to one of the schools that really want them or want her and producing. You know, there's no nobody owes you anything. It's from from a college standpoint. If, if you're good enough and somebody likes you enough, everybody has their own preferences. They're going to offer your son or daughter a scholarship. If they don't like their game or something about the game, they're not. That's the, that's just part of life. You you can't 
you can't dictate who's going to offer your, your son or daughter. The worst thing you could do is contact coaches that have not started recruiting your kid, asking to set up visits and all that, and they're not being recruited by the school because for a lot of the kids, once they go on these visits, they feel like, oh, okay, they're looking at me. They're not looking at you. Uh, don't get caught up in the unofficial visit post and all that good stuff. Sometimes it truly is an unofficial visit. They go and meet with staff. They go and meet with administration. They, they meet all the guys. They go to practice. That's a true unofficial visit. And for the people that don't understand that, unofficial means that you paid out of your own pocket to go vi visit the school. The school cannot provide any assistance for you to come on a visit. On official visits, the school can cover all the costs for the athlete, and I think it's plus two or plus three. So they cover everything from the airfare to the, the housing to food to everything to get you to try to commit. So these unofficial visit posts, a lot of kids will be going to visit a buddy at their school or their sister or brother and say, hey, I'm on an unofficial visit to Carolina. And I did, you know, just don't believe everything you see on the internet and just get a true evaluation for your son or daughter. That way they're not disappointed, you're not disappointed and you can either exceed expectations or meet expectations. If you're failing to meet expectations, usually it's because you set the bar too high for your son and daughter. Or if you got a handle in the mix, they set the bar too high or that type of deal. So just get a good evaluation before you make any decisions on reclassification or post-grading and just temper your expectations based on those decisions. It, even just because you reclassify doesn't mean you're gonna go from your uh, A&T offer to Duke offer. It, you could get more A&T offers. You know, it could be more along the same lines. So just make sure that you, you understand your expectations and you understand that just because you choose to reclassify or postgrad does not mean that your offers will go up or go down or whatever the case may be because you also risk injury. Uh, during that time period. If you get injured, then that's a double negative. You reclass, you're injured, you can't play, and your stock is going to be worse because now they can't see you. So there's a lot of risk. There's also a lot of reward if it's done right. Everybody's situation is different. Just make sure you do your research and make the best decision for your son or daughter. And with that being said, that's going to wrap up episode three of the Ascension Podcast. Again, I would love to hear feedback on these podcasts or questions that you guys may or may not have. And uh, I definitely will talk about it on the next episode. I wish all of you the best of luck in your recruitment. If you need assistance, I am available for that. And I look forward to next week's episode and your suggestions for next week's episodes. With that being said, I hope everyone has a great day, a great week, and a great recruiting period. Thank you.